<laughs> Matthew 5. If you weren't ushered away to a children's class, that means you're old. So that means we need to be mature in the Lord. More groans. Wasn't it great to be a kid? Didn't have to worry about anything. Didn't have to work. Didn't have to pay taxes. Now you're feeling the Holy Ghost, huh? Ah. Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we're looking through the Beatitudes here. This is part three of our uh, preaching through the Beatitudes. We're going to look at verse 5 as our target verse today. I'm going to bless the word, read you the verse 12 verses as Jesus delivers the Beatitudes. Listen to these with your spirit. Allow them to get in, and as we pull them apart, uh, they're going to mean more to you. Father, we just thank you this morning for this time in your presence. We thank you that we were able to worship together as a family and prepare our hearts for the word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would drive the truth of the word deep into our hearts today, that we would not be hearers only, but doers. And that, Father, we leave here changed, not by a church service, not by the message of a man, but we leave changed by the word of God. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. The Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Jesus speaking. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely call you all kinds of evil because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Our target verse, verse number five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We said as Jesus is preaching through these beatitudes, these were uh, blessings that if we would apply the principle that he was teaching to our lives, there would be a blessing attached to it. We noticed the literary breakdown. He would say blessed, then he would give the topic, then he would show the reward that was attached to that if we would apply it. How many know the point of sitting in church and hearing the word is not just to fulfill a religious duty. It's not just to gain head knowledge. It's to hear the word and let it get in our hearts so it changes us spiritually, saying, Amen. Amen. And so Jesus is saying things here, these principles, so that we would apply them. And if we would apply them, there would be a blessing attached to them. The literary structure in this one in verse 5 is blessed are the meek and what? They will inherit the earth. So the blessing is an inheritance. How many people would like to have a nice, big, fat inheritance? Amen. Amen. Some people are just like, well, that ship already sailed. And now I'm depressed. Um, I'm just saying inheritance is a good thing, amen? Wouldn't you rather receive a letter in the mail that says you have just received a, a huge inheritance rather than you just got a bill? I mean, you ever go to the mailbox and look through it and just go, I'll try again tomorrow, right? 
you know, an inheritance is a good thing. So the blessing for this situation, for meekness, is an inheritance. Now, hopefully you're seeing a pattern in, in these, uh, these things as we're preaching through them because, you know, you're seeing the topic principle of each of the ones that we've looked at so far, poor in spirit, mourning, and now meekness. None of those are desirable at face value. And that's what I want you to notice here. When you hear poor in spirit, well, we don't want a poor spirit. We don't want to poor anything. Poor is not something that excites us. Then last time we were together, we talked about mourning. And mourning is something that we don't look forward to. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I hope there's some real good grieving and mourning in my life today. No, you, if you pray like that, you need medication. And you know we'll pray for you too, but stay on your medication. Because mourning is not something that we desire. Neither is being poor in spirit or poverty in any way. This week, it's meekness. Now, meekness, the idea of meekness is not celebrated in our culture at all. In fact, immediately when you hear meekness, you think weakness. And weakness is not something we celebrate. Now, I can't speak for the ladies, but guys, no guy wants to project weakness and meekness. You know, when I, when I met my wife and trying to trick her into marrying me, it's work, right? But I didn't project that I'm going to be weak and, uh, you know, I need to be taken care of. And, you know, I, I put my, never went for me, she said. <laughs> so weakness and meekness is something that we don't aspire to. It's, it's really weakness is a dirty word in our culture. We don't esteem it. Now, if we're honest, meekness conjures up a picture in our mind of some kind of sniveling, bashful, backwards person who won't speak up for themselves, who's essentially a coward, and is the type of person that lets other people walk all over them. Now, when you see someone who lets others walk all over them, usually you, you don't esteem such a person, do you? But that's what this conjures up in our mind. So when, when you hear, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, right away you think, well, you know, that's not an inheritance that I want because I don't want to be weak. But let's take a look at what Jesus actually meant by meek. Now, the Greek word is preuse, and it happens three times in the New Testament. This word only happens three times. So uh, we're, we're going to look at the meaning of preuse, and what it means in the Greek is exactly what we think it would mean, gentle, mild, and humble. So you know, gentle, mild, and humble, yeah, we can aspire to some of that stuff, but it's not really what, you know, what we're looking for. We're looking for the boldness, the strength, and all of those things in our character. But let's look at the scriptures where it appears, because in our text, it appears once and two other times in Matthew 21.5 and 1 Peter 3 and 4. Now, what I'm doing this this morning is to show you how we need to approach and interpret scripture. Uh, the, the right way to interpret scripture is through proper hermeneutics. Now, maybe you, you've heard that word hermeneutics and think he's a Greek guy who owns a diner. No. Hermeneutics is the art of biblical interpretation. It's really the way you're supposed to interpret scripture. The first rule of hermeneutics is let scripture interpret scripture. That means if the Bible says a word, you find where that word appears in scripture, you look how it's used in context, and then you get an understanding of what that word means. When we hear this word that only appears three times and it's said, we need to look at the text. Now, the Bible is not one of those books where it means whatever it means to you. Right. The, you know, I mean, do you ever hear like in eighth grade literature, you know, well, what is the whale? In Moby Dick, well, the whale means to me... This is not English class. This is not literature. Look, this means what God meant it to mean. I mean, so many Christians approach this. Well, this is what it means to me. Well, since you're not God, you don't get to make that call. 
We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but it means what it means. And so we look at the text here, uh, Matthew 21, uh, verse 5. It says, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king, talking about Jesus, is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal or beast of burden. So this is a picture of Jesus at the triumphal entry coming on a donkey, and he's coming, and they're going to throw the palm leaves down. They're going to say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right now, think about Jesus, the, the son of God, the fully God, fully man, coming, riding down. Is Jesus weak? No. Is Jesus a pushover? No. Did Jesus let other people push him around? No. Was he a coward? No. Then that's not what meekness means. Let's look at where meekness occurs again, second, a uh, third time in the New Testament, 1 Peter 3 through 4. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with, imperishable, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. So look what it says. The imperishable quality of a meek spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So God says about people who have a meek spirit that it's an imperishable quality. What does that mean? It's a quality that endures. It's a quality that even stands the test of time. A person who's meek, their legacy will live on past them. Does that sound weak to you? Also, it says, which is precious in the sight of God. Does God esteem weak things? No. No. So Jesus must have meant something completely different about meekness than what we take meekness for. While it seems to us that we don't aspire to be meek or weak or, or you know, sometimes in our culture even humble, humility is a dirty word. There are people who look at the humble as these guys are just pushovers. I'm going to mow over them. I'm going to take what I want from them. I'm going to step on top of them to climb the ladder. Hello, you been in the corporate world, anybody? Okay. And so uh, Jesus must have meant something different here. Here's what meekness is. Meekness isn't weakness. Rather, it's the strength of character to submit, serve, and consider others better than ourselves. Meekness is really power under control. I want you to see that. You say, why is meekness power under control? Because I have a free will. I don't have to serve God. But if I humble myself and accept Christ in meekness, I can serve God and walk in the power of God. You see, meekness is power under control. You don't have to submit to others. You don't have to serve others. You don't have to consider anyone better than yourself if you don't want to. (laughs) Some people are going, okay, I'm going to go with that. (laughs) It's when you willingly... Lay down your agenda, your rights, what what you should be entitled to and take the low road that that's meekness. And God looks at that and says, that's an awesome quality to have because that's what exactly Jesus did. Jesus didn't need to come die for us. He didn't need to leave the Father's side to be complete. He wasn't up in heaven going, you know, I need to do something so, you know, I feel good about myself. No, Jesus was perfectly complete, fully God, part of the Trinity, sitting at the right hand of God. He didn't have to come to earth to die for me and you. Yet what the Bible says, he condescended himself that he came. The word was made flesh. He put on this earth suit and he got in the muck and he got in the mire and he slugged it out. And on the cross, he broke the power of sin, not for him, but for us. (laughs) Awesome this morning. (laughs) He did it for us. He was meek and it was power. It was power under control. And that's exactly what meekness is. I want to give you three areas where we should apply meekness to our lives. Number one is this. We should apply meekness to our walk with God. 
You might think this is strange. Well, I need to be meek before God. Yeah, yeah, we really do need to apply meekness there. Why? I want to tell you why. Because Jesus is Savior. All right, let me try it again. I want a little bit more of a response. Jesus is Savior. All right, there's a few saved people here. But watch it. Wait for it. He's also Lord. Oh, I got an amen. First service was like, I ain't feeling it. (laughs) See, Savior is easy because I need a Savior. Lord's hard because I still want to be in charge. Come on, I'm I'm wrapped in flesh just like you. None of us like to listen to anybody. Now Now everybody's like... (laughs) (laughs) Tell the truth in church, right? We we don't want to listen. We want to be in charge. We we want other people to listen to us to do our bidding. But to come to Christ, we've got to receive him as Savior and Lord. He's Savior and Lord. Now listen, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. It's not like Jesus is mostly Lord of my life. I'm, I'm mostly obedient. I mostly listen. I mostly submit. Ouch. Lord of all or not Lord at all. Sometimes if I wonder if we even care to understand the lordship of Jesus. Do you know, there's certain things we like try and read through fast in the Bible. We like to go over or we don't study them. Do you ever hear, you ever hear a message on the lordship of Jesus Christ? Me neither. That's why I'm preaching one. Because we need to understand he's Lord. And until we submit to him in that way with meekness, we're going to have a heck of a time in life. You know, you can get to heaven and have a hell of a time getting there. You really can. Why? Because you don't submit to what the word says and you fight tooth and nail against everything. That's a, God will resist the proud and give grace to the humble. So lordship's important. Now, newsflash, Jesus is not your co-pilot. I don't care what the bumper sticker says. Jesus is not sitting in your car in the passenger seat going, I hope he asked me to take the wheel. You know, like somehow, somewhere when we say, Jesus, take the wheel, then he's like, oh, great, I get to drive. Like, like he's Urkel or something. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Jesus already has the wheel. Amen. Jesus is already driving. Jesus is already the pilot. He's Lord. He's not waiting for us to make him Lord. Oh, Jesus, you can be Lord today. Tomorrow I'm going to be in control, but you can drive today. Come on, people. It's ridiculous to think that because you know what? He's in control. He, his name is above every name. Now listen to this. Jesus is forever in the driver's seat. Now you and I can either be obedient, get in, and go along with the ride that he's masterfully plotted out for each of us, or we can stand on the curb and watch the car go by and get left in the dust. Those are our two choices. Well, can't we split it? Can't we drive? I'll drive half the way and... He's either Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. You see how we try to weasel that in there? We try to get, you can be mostly in charge. Come on, any of you people married? We're going to talk about that in a minute. What What does meekness look like in our relationship with God? Meekness is understanding we and God are not equals. We and God are not equals. Look, he's Lord, and I'm his servant. I'm not equal. Many times we act like we're equal to God. Well, God, you know, I I have a different opinion on the matter. Or God, you know, I agree with most of what you say, but I I think differently on this. Look, and I understand it's all a process of us understanding the word and and coming in line with it and true. But look, we we don't get to pick and choose and, you know, uh, just apply the parts we like and the other parts ignore. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. 
And there is a God, and we are not him. And we are not equal to him. Get this. You say, Pastor, why do you belabor a point like this? This is obvious. It's obvious in, in our mental ascent of it, but the way we live, you would think we were equal to God. That we could tell him, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and uh, you just bless me, okay? Oh, <laughs> Ouch. I better move on. Get behind the Kevlar pulpit. <laughs> there is a God, and we're not it. Meekness is yielding our will, our agenda, and our opinions to him. It's so beautiful when I see people coming to the church, new people, maybe they don't know Christ yet, they get saved, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and their, their opinions begin to change. Their worldview begins to change. They begin to think differently about social issues. You know, I don't know how many people would come in and say, well, I'm for abortion, and then they get saved, and all of a sudden they realize that, that it's murder, and then all of a sudden they're not for it anymore. And you see, well, as Christians, we can argue and fight with everybody about topics, or we can just let the Holy Spirit change hearts and love people. And I think plan B works better. But meekness is yielding, and it takes time to develop that, that yielding, and there's areas in all of us that need to yield. Meekness is recognizing he's the potter, and we're the clay. It's easy to just be a lump of clay, right? Man, all you got to do is be the lump, sit on the wheel, and enjoy the potter's hands on you and just let him form you. Come on, just get comfortable with the lump that you are, amen? He's the potter. You don't have the clay on the wheel spinning around. Hey, 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 no, I don't want to be this. No, I want to be that. No, make me into this. Just relax. Just enjoy his hands being on you. He's going to form you and shape you into exactly what he wants you to be. And in the long run, it's going to be exactly what you want it to be. Because you were born to be exactly what he made you to be. Don't ask me to repeat any of that, but I said something. Meekness is obeying when we don't understand. Meekness is obeying when we don't agree. Weakness is obeying when we don't feel like it. Wow. That's meekness. That's taking the low road. And we need more of that in our relationship with Christ. Well, I don't feel like going to church, or I don't agree with this, or I don't, you know, and, and just humbling ourselves and going, I'm going to do it. Why? Because he's Lord and we love him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. See, meekness in our relationship with Christ causes him to disclose himself to us. What does that mean? He's like, if you'll obey me, if you'll trust me, if you'll submit to me, even when you're not feeling it, I'm gonna reveal myself to you. I'm gonna show you who I am. I'm gonna make intimacy between us. But it doesn't come in the arrogance of autonomy where we say, I'll do whatever I want, and God, you better bless me or I'll be mad at you. Wow. That's an immature way to live. Yet all of us, including myself, have been there at times. God, you didn't bless me the way I wanted to be blessed. You didn't let it work out the way I wanted. I'm mad at you. I, I could just, you know, like a little petulant child, I could see all of heaven laughing at me. You see Leonardi down there? Tune into this. You know, you're on the big screen in heaven. You're on the jumbotron. All the angels are laughing. Lighten up a little bit. Some of you could use a smile. We need meekness in our relationship with God. Number two, we need meekness in our relationships. 
we talked about God. We need it with Christ. Obviously, that's going to work out good for us. But we need to apply meekness to our relationships. Let me say something. Meekness needs to be in our closest relationships. If you've been married for more than 15 minutes, you know you need some humility in your marriage. Don't point at your spouse. Look straight ahead. But meekness in marriage is vital. Without it, it's World War III constantly. If you have two people that both have to be in charge, both have to have their own way, both have to be right all the time, oh man, just pop some popcorn, sit back. I mean, it's going to be good. Meekness in relationships is so important. You know, there's times as a man where I just have to, I just have to be humble with my wife and allow her to, you know, do what she wants to do or just, you know, let her pick this or this. She gets to have the remote. Dan almost passed out. I mean, that, forget flowers. Forget flowers. The remote is the greatest, you know, act of love. And sometimes she needs to defer to me on alternate Tuesdays in November. But, you know, and you see that balance in a relationship. Look, if you got two people that always have to be, get their way, I mean, what a disaster. Meekness in marriage is vital. You know, meekness goes a long way in the parent-child relationship. As a parent, you know, you want to be more like a coach than a drill sergeant. But there's sometimes as a parent, you have to say, I'm sorry, daddy was wrong, or I'm sorry, mommy was wrong. I shouldn't have lost my temper. And when I hit my finger with the hammer, I shouldn't have prophesied those words. <laughs> All the holy people are like, yeah, and you hit yourself with a 32-ounce S-wing and say, hallelujah, right. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so. You know, there's times I've had to apologize to my sons for their mother's behavior. <laughs> She's in the front row, man. My son's laughing, so one of them's going to like me when we get home. But meekness goes a long way in that relationship. How about a little meekness at the Thanksgiving table? Come on, you all got those crazy imbalanced family members, right? There's one in each family. If you say, no, we don't have one, then it's probably you. Okay, but at the Thanksgiving table, I mean, let some things go, right? Does everything have to be a fight World War III? Somebody brings up a political opinion. Just let them be wrong. <laughs> just, just let it go, right? What you say, what is that? No, I'm not going to be a coward. I'm supposed to fight every time there's a fight available. Isn't that the way we roll, some of us? It's just foolishness. Let it go. Be meek. Be humble. Let them be wrong. Let them be stupid. <laughs> I'm just telling the truth in church. Come on, you've heard some stuff at your table. You're like, what? That doesn't make sense on any level. But pass the mashed potatoes. So meekness in our closest relationships. How about meekness in our interaction with our fellow man? How about some civility in the public square? You know, we, we, as a society, we've become uncivilized. We got people in the streets rioting against each other, beating and hitting each other. Look what goes on in the, in the West Coast in Seattle and stuff. You got Antifa out there. People are beating each other up because they disagree about political things. There's no civility online. It is just amazing. You can't say anything online without people just coming out of the woodwork attacking you. And like in vitriolic, ugly ways. You know, like, have a nice day. Don't tell me what kind of day to have. <laughs> you can't say anything. 
You got these 135 pound people in their mother's basement in their underwear, just keyboard warriors typing. Yeah, challenging UFC fighters to a street fight. I mean, just in the basement. The anonymity of the internet has created this, this toxic culture of just vitriol, and it's gotta stop. <laughs> Let's take. <laughs> we need some civility. What is it gonna take? It's gonna take some meekness. It's gonna take us to hold our tongue, bite our tongue, take the low road, let people be wrong, and just pray for them. Come on. <laughs> and maybe entertain the possibility once in a while that we're wrong. No, not buying it. <laughs> we should apply this to our lives. And, you know, it's impossible to do this unless we have a Philippians 2 state of mind. And here's what Philippians 2, 3 to 5 says. Unless we think like this, we're never going to be able to be meek, not with our spouse, not with our children, not with our relatives, and not with our fellow man. Philippians 2, 3, it says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility, listen to this, esteem others better than yourself. Boom. Others better than self? That's not in the Bible, is it? They didn't take that out? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests also, but for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Ah, there it is. You see, it makes us like Christ when we're meek, when we consider others better than ourselves, when we're willing to lay down our lives and our opinions and our desires and our agendas for others. You say, why should I do that? Because Christ did it, and we're Christians. <laughs> we're supposed to be like him. The light bulb went on for a few people just now. Oh, so meekness in our relationships. Without a Philippians 2 state of mind, we're going to have a really hard time. So let the Holy Spirit work that into you in your prayer closet. I'm going to esteem others better than myself. I'm going to care about others' needs. I'm going to care about my wife and my children and, and my people at church and my fellow man. I'm going to care about the person at Walmart who cut me off online <laughs> and the person at Kohl's that took the spot I was waiting for just got real up in here yeah. right meekness in our walk with God meekness with our fellow man and our closest relationships if I've got to be first if I've always got to be right if I'm self-centered if I look down on everyone else from my position of supreme importance all my relationships are going to be dysfunctional and there's no way around it there's got to be meekness number three the last place that we should apply meekness that I'm going to talk about today is this. We should apply meekness to our way of life. Let me, let me just make a statement here. There is a way that we can live that points to Jesus. Amen? Everybody agree? And there's a way that we can live that points to us. And the choice is ours. We can live a certain way, and you know... Man, when you're in your prayer closet, when you're in the word, when you're, you got your priorities in order and you step out the door in the morning, man, you, you're just fully charged and everything seems to fall in place and you seem to run into people who you can encourage and you seem to just go from one good thing to the next. But get out of order and get out of line and get out of word and forget to pray and you walk out into this just storm. 
Anybody feel what I'm talking about? There's a way we can live that points to Jesus, and there's a way we can live that points to us. Now, let me just say something. Christians shouldn't be flashy. Christians shouldn't be self-aggrandizing, and they shouldn't be attention seekers. Have you ever met people like that? Don't point fingers, just look straight ahead. But people who just, they wanted all the attention. I've known people, and I've, I've known Christian people, I've known leadership people who if they walked into the room and they didn't have all the attention, they had a puss on. Yep, yep. Come on, I'm telling the truth. It's all about me, 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 me. And if it wasn't all about me, I'm not happy. Christians shouldn't be like that. Christians shouldn't be flashy. We shouldn't flaunt. We shouldn't flaunt our liberties. Why? Because they make weak people stumble. We shouldn't flaunt our abilities. Oh, I'm good at this, and I'm good at that, and I, I can do this, and I've achieved that, and I can jump over a mountain, and I can fly an airplane, and I can... Okay, Superman. Did you save yourself, too? Ouch. Mm. Yeah, all of us have met Christians that with the unvarnished truth, were just braggarts. I've met people come, <laughs> coming out of ministry events. or come, I've been around a long time. I know I look 20, but you know, it's, <laughs> I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of stuff. I, I, I ran into people, oh, we were out and we were preaching and they'd tell you about the numbers and then they'd tell you about the offering and they'd tell you about the people they healed. Oh, I remember one guy, and I healed this guy, and, I, and you healed him. You healed him, huh? Well, you're Jesus Jr. <laughs> Thanks for dying on the cross for me. We can be so, so, so caught up in our achievements. When I've done this and I've done that and I've led this and I've led this and I've been a deacon and I've been an elder. And <laughs> There's no meekness in that. In flaunting our achievements and flaunting our liberties and in wanting to be noticed and to demanding we have all the attention. Now, if that's not your personality and, and, you know, and you're like, I don't do that. Well, well, we'll find something else to pick on you for, but <laughs> hang in there. Because all of us are messed up and all of us, you know, all of us do desire attention. And if you don't believe me, it's the old illustration. When you get a picture of a group, who's the first person you look for? Come on now. That's right. Right? That's a good one, right? I know. Oh, where, oh where's Kim? Oh, no. Where are my kids? There's me. For, you, look, you look at a picture, you look for you. Mostly because you want to know if you, you know, your clothes match and your zipper's up and all that stuff. But... But it's because we're, we're, we're narcissistic at heart. Yes. It's okay to have fun in church, by the way. Some of you look nervous. <laughs> and we do have a problem with these things, and we need to curb them. And you say, well, what curbs them, Pastor? Meekness. Meekness. Christians should not be excessive. Proverbs 25, 16 warns us that too much of anything is not good. Listen to what Proverbs 25 says. Have you found honey? Eat only what you need, that you not have it in excess and vomit it. You see, too much of anything is no good. Call out your favorite food. Venison, pizza, steak. I didn't hear donuts. Come on. Sushi. All right, now you, you name your, your food. Now you have to eat that food three times a day for a month. Breakfast, tacos, donuts, bacon. You'll be dead in the first 15 days. <laughs> I love it, man, but you got... I'm like a bacon diet. 15 days, that's all I got. So think about it. Your favorite, but in excess. And what? Uh, 
because too much of a good thing is too much. And so Christians shouldn't be excessive. Jesus called the Pharisees out on their excessiveness. He said, you, you wash the outside of the cup and the platter, but within is full of extortion and excess. He's like, you guys are religiously excessive. You go way over the top. You, you think you're more holy than God. Your standard is bigger than God's, yet you have no love and you just drive people away with your excess. Christians shouldn't be excessive. What should we be? We should practice moderation. Now, if you take a notes today, I'd write those two words down, excessiveness and moderation. Excessiveness, we have to be careful of. Too much of anything, even if it's good, is out of balance. But moderation is the key. Uh, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand. What does moderation do? It allows people to see that we are restrained. Why are we restrained as a people? Because the Lord is coming, because Jesus is watching, because God is up in heaven looking at everything we do. It's amazing. You know, there are times we think, you know, if nobody sees us and nobody catches us, we got away with it. He's watching. I see these people, they steal. They steal from work. They steal from this. They steal from that. And they're like, ha, 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 I got away with it. No, you didn't, you knucklehead. You know, the Bible says that he who steals brings a curse upon himself. Right. And what's the curse? That they cut themselves off from the blessings of God. Yeah. Right. So now what you stole is all you get, and God doesn't bless That's what you right. got. Right. Wow, I can't afford to steal. Right. Disappointed thieves, anybody? <laughs> moderation is what we should practice. We should do everything in moderation. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. God's watching. You know, let your moderation be known to all men. When people see that, you know, you're, you're a balanced person, they, they can look at that and say, yeah, I want that in my life. It's just amazing uh, that, you know, uh, moderation is really the fruit of, of meekness. Why? Because it shows self-control and discipline and a willingness to restrain ourselves for the sake of others. It's much more palatable to people to see a balanced person who practices moderation than an excessive, flashy person who wants all the attention and wants all the accolades. You see, we can live a way that points to Jesus, or we can live a way that points to us. A lifestyle of moderation is the best and most relatable witness you can have. Did you ever meet those don't Christians? I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this. I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do, and I don't, you know, match my clothes, and I don't brush my teeth, and I don't go bowling, and I don't watch TV. You sound like a lot of fun. The don't Christians, I don't do this, and I don't do that, but they never tell you what they do do. And you know what they do do. Uh, but you know what happens when you get around don't Christians, people go, I don't want to be like you. Because it's not balanced. It's not moderation. It's better that you could do everything in moderation that people could see balance in you. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that. Well, good for you. What do you do? I don't do anything. <laughs> moderation is what we should present. It's relatable. People can look at that and say, you know what? Uh, I, I, can, I can do that. I see the blessing in your life. Now, the conclusion to this beatitude is this. The blessing that's attached to us willfully saying, I I'm going to be a meek person because it's a choice. The, the blessing that's attached to that is this. We're going to inherit the earth. Now, there again, when I say that, everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to inherit the earth. I can't even pay the taxes on my two acres. 
right? Welcome to New Yorkistan. You can't afford the taxes. But what is it? We're going to inherit the earth and see the reason this doesn't really phase us because we don't think about heaven enough. Hello? You and I should think about heaven a little bit. We're too concerned with earth and earth and this and my kingdom here and my, God, and my 401k and do I have enough to retire and am I going to, you know, and we're, we're concerned about this, but truly this is just a, a, a blink, a blip in, the, in eternity. We're going to spend eternity with God. We need to think about heaven a little bit every once in a while. Amen. The blessed hope is that we're hoping Jesus will return, take us what? So we can be with him. Heaven is an awesome thing. Now, in the, in the, in the heavens we'll be with Christ. The Bible says that the earth is going to be recreated. The meek shall inherit the earth. I don't know how that pans out. I don't know who gets what. I don't know how it's going to work. But I trust Jesus that it's going to be good. Amen. What a great inheritance. <laughs> Man, I'm going to have a lot of good hunting acres, Frank. Christians should practice moderation, shouldn't be excessive. We should apply meekness to our relationship with Christ. He's Lord. There is a God, and his name's not Rick. I'm just a servant, and so are you. We should apply meekness to our lives in such a way that our fellow man, we put the needs of others before us, that we're civil, that we take the low road, that we don't just argue for argument's sake that we have meekness in our marital relationship as an example to the world around us, to our children, that we have meekness with our children, with our relatives, with our fellow man. And I know this is a lot, and you might say, well, how long do I have to get all this in place? Look, this is a, life, this is a lifestyle that takes a lifetime to work in. So wherever we're at in this, my hope is that today we would hear Jesus say, blessed are the meek, and that we would aspire to be meek, and know it's not weakness, but that we would apply meekness everywhere we could so that we could receive the inheritance that Christ has for us. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I just thank you for this time in the word. I thank you for the words of Jesus and Holy Spirit. I thank you that you make them come alive to us. You make them relatable to our lives. And Lord, I pray for each of us today that we would embrace some of that humility and we would apply that meekness to where it needs to be. Maybe some of us need to just humble ourselves with our spouse. Maybe some of us need to just get before the Lord and just ask him to forgive us for being so autonomous and willful. Maybe we just need to come to a place where we become civil with our fellow man, even when they're abrasive and even when, you know, we know they're wrong. But Lord, we choose love instead of judgment. Help us to be a meek people, that we would have an inheritance in the next life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him praise this morning. Amen. Praise God. We're going to take an offering. It's free will. Do it out of relationship. 